It's the second cup of Joe and John with Joe Elvis and John Dwyer. Well, we've we've made it known that we're Mustang lovers in this room. Why we are not sponsored by Ford still at Beyond this point. Me. Maybe the product is just not not what it should be. A 2024 Mustang would look great uh, on both of us. We'll take it. Uh, uh, today's guest is exciting to me because uh, we love talking Nashville history on the second cup of Joe and John. And we're going to talk it fueled with some give me fuel, give me fire today. A lot of racing, a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of power under the hood. And um, I did. Everyone has a racing story, I think, since we love cars. You grew up in a Ford dealership. Yeah. Um, did you, did you, what was your first race? Do you remember your first race you went to? Did you go to the Indy 500? I, so I went to 28 straight Indianapolis 500. Yeah, I, I did. did. Yeah, I did. And I, um, but being in Northern Indiana, open wheel racing was, um, that, that should have, that could have been, you know, the state of Florida. I mean, Indianapolis was so far away, so it wasn't really on my radar until I got to school and, and, uh, my freshman year at Butler, the buddy of mine says during May, Hey, you want to go out and you know go to the track? And I'm like, well, you can't bet in Indiana. What are you talking to go, John? It's, 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 you know, it's, it's qualifying and, and all that. So, so no, I got, I got hooked pretty good. The first race I, I went to Jordan got uh, John cock won by 0.16 of a second. And I, you know, I thought this was great to go, John, you just saw the greatest race that we've had here in 50 years. That's and I didn't, terrific. I didn't, I didn't know, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of, well, it's got a gearhead. I had, I, I think I have had a, a ticket, um, I've been given a ticket in every county from South Bend to, to Marion, uh, in, in Indianapolis. I, I, I had a heavy foot in college and, and they knew it. So, you know, it is what it is. It's funny. You identified with the Indy 500 was all I watched growing up being a kid outside of Philadelphia, then coming to Nashville. And my only experience on the Indy 500 was in the Hendersonville high school marching band. We went to the Indy 500 and marched in the parade, which goes around the track. Which, two and a half miles. Uh, two and a half yeah. mile track. You're watching it at home and thinking, oh, there's a turn. There's a straightaway. When are they coming back? That is a huge track, especially to walk around with all the banks. And uh, the interesting part is when you drive in the Indy 500 uh, infield party and all the parties that week are, are, are none like ever you'll experience. And I don't know why, but there's a sign every four feet that says, show us your tits. So and, and here's a bunch of high school kids. There goes our non-explicit uh, label on our on our yeah. podcast. It's Joe. just reporting. It actually happens probably still uh, this year. The my, snake only, my only other track Damn. I was on was uh, uh, the date. Daytona 500. So back in the early, late 70s, early 80s, uh, in my music career, our band was playing in Daytona and uh, you could get into the track. There wasn't this huge security. We just probably hopped a gate and a fence and you could climb up and go and you don't realize, Norm could probably tell us how steep that bank is there. Yeah. And so we're half shamammered and, and struggling to climb up the bank and not fall back down it and stuff. So uh, is, it, while this is not true, great racing history that I have, um, I got to learn in our own Nashville, uh, fairgrounds racing, 
that uh, that was where it was at. We're talking the days of Cuckoo Marlin, Sterling Marlin, uh, Mike Alexander, uh, Bobby Hamilton, huge names which would translate into the NASCAR uh, story of of what is racing history. And we have a guy here that's going to forget more about that than we'll ever know. Hit it. Let's take a spin through Joe and John's Rolodex. And it stops on P for Norm Parton. Norm is our guest on the second cup, Joe and John. And uh, known Norm, uh, you know, for ever since I moved to Nashville in 96. And um, he, I mean, he has on his resume, I, you know, I don't know if you, one, one uh, avenue is, of course, racing and expert and being at the fairgrounds and so forth. But he's done so many other things. Nashville native. Norm, thank you so much for giving up your time. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. good to see you, man. And and uh, when we talk about Nashville race, you you had it when I came here. Part of the thing was um, is to go and 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 know and read Mr. Russell's books, uh, right. the Nashville Banner, uh, Fred Russell, um, the seventy years, uh, you know, wrote for the Banner and, and editor and all that, but also the WWTN ninety nine seven racing show. Uh, that you did from you said eighty four to oh three. That was yeah. just that was that was quite. You had to, that was required listening if you're going to be any type of sports guy in this town. Yeah, and, and you Does know, it make you feel it was, old. It was, well, <laughs> I am old, uh, but it was more fun than than anything. It it was not a job. It was it's uh, Russ Thompson myself on the air. And uh, we were quite the inside folks back in those days. And uh, we we had a following that was, uh, in fact, today, in, in today's times, people will walk up and recognize my voice and say, you're Norm Parton. I listen to you on the radio, uh, which is scary because that's been a long time ago. So uh, it, we, we reached far and wide with that. Yeah, you did. And your show, what were you guys talking about uh, the most? With the centerpiece had to be at the Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, for folks who don't know Nashville's racing history, yeah. I think that's like the second oldest track still in the country, perhaps. The number one. Number one. It, it, it has a, a consecutive ton, tons of history. Then our Nashville Super Speedway yeah. uh, came into play. So talk about uh, how important that era and legacy of racing was that was and still is going on at our Nashville Fairgrounds? Uh, first of all, it's the best short track in the United States, bar none. Uh, Saturday night, I was there, darn near photo finish on a 100-lap race with two young, wonderful guys. Uh, could have wrecked three. They ran side-by-side side for like three laps at the end, and, and it was a wreck waiting to happen, and they they had the talent to get it done. But uh, when, when I was um, – <coughs> I guess five years old, we lived a block and a half from the fairgrounds. And uh, there was no secret. There was a racetrack there. Uh, <laughs> was there curfew? Probably not. Uh, no. Not back but, then they just ran see, into the night, huh? They ran straight pipes. Uh, and and one of my earliest memories <laughs> is uh, in, in the dining room that we had, there was a corner cupboard mm-hmm. that mom had her nice stuff sit. Oh, no. You, you know? We know that uh, this is going. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had to scotch tape the stuff to the shelf because it would vibrate off and fall on the floor. Found out the hard way. Uh, so I started going with mom and dad or dad, and uh, they didn't care much 
for it. And it just so happened Ernest Castleman, who lived next door to me, uh, ran security's police officer, ran security at Fairgrounds. So he would take me. You had an in. Perfect. And I had an in, and he would sit me in a seat, and he said, you are not allowed to move from that seat till I come back. And, uh, man, if you had to go pee, you had to wait. Uh, uh, but that was five years old. Uh, so I was, I was there in 1959 almost every weekend. And I've spent many a Saturday night there since. I'm thinking there, you know, thankfully there wasn't the internet and social media and, and it, the colorful characters of that, of that era of the 50s, 60s, 70s, getting into Cal Yarborough and, yeah. and a very young Dale Earnhardt and, um, uh, yeah, the history there, people, you know, I, when I moved here, we didn't have a race and, right. and, and lost the, you know, had two races, had two races for many years. And then all of a sudden gone. It, during during this ascent of the sport that nobody could have seen. And uh, I'm sure that that had to be like, what, why, why are we not, how can we not keep these races? Yeah, politics, Nashville. Shocking. Make, makes you proud. They took Don't get loose and turn four on me here. Yeah. <laughs> because you, uh, you will and you have every reason to, but. Uh, yeah, they just didn't keep the place up, right? They didn't. Well, the the, the, it's city owned, which is which is an issue, and it's run by a fair board, which was mm -hmm. political, and uh, they just turned against and wouldn't do the right things. And uh, uh, they, um, uh, when a financial situation came up, the fair board said, "We're you know we're not going to." go through all of this stuff and NASCAR just pulled yep. and that was the end of it. And, uh, I was standing in the concourse, uh, with a few folks when, uh, when that decision came down and it was, uh, quite the angry norm at that time. Cause we would be today where Bristol is now had Nashville had the, the, the vision, but they didn't. The whole area around uh, what is the Nashville Fairgrounds now is one of the hottest areas in town. They call it the WeHo end of town, which is yeah. Wedgwood and Houston and everything that's in between. There's cool bars. It's a hip place to live. They've put what's one of the hottest things is the Nashville SC, the Nashville soccer team. Right. The Geoda Stadium is beautiful. It's right there next to the fairgrounds. So it still has the makeup to have a fantastic growth with the track. Where does it sit where the folks you mentioned, Bristol, I think, weren't they part of the ownership of the track? Are uh, they still? And do you still see a vision of that track getting improved? Uh, where do you start with Norm? Oh, boy. <laughs> Norm, Norm, uh, Norm has, an, he has an opinion on this, I think. Yeah. Uh, so Bristol is coming. Uh, there has been a long, drawn-out process that started with Megan Barry and office. Uh, moved to Briley and then uh, moved to to Mayor Cooper. Uh, of those three, Mayor Cooper's the only one that figured it out of what it could be. So that process has been going on for very strong for the last two years. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces that have to. Uh, I mean, it's like the dominoes have to fall in the right order, uh, and we're. Days away, days uh, from hearing some good news about the future of that racetrack. And uh, there will be a day that uh, 
I'll have y'all down there when they dropped the green flag for uh, the first cup race in Nashville since 1984. Common sense would tell you not to look to Joe and John for this, but time for life lessons from Joe and John. So let's continue that theme, Norm. The you know when I uh, when I moved here, if you did not give the forty three car lineup <laughs> on the six p.m. sportscast on Friday, and and by the way, the most popular phone call to a local TV sports station was where did Rusty Wallace qualify? And and people, I I never got like why do you care where he qual if that's your driver. Just pull for the driver. They said, you don't understand. We have an office pool. Yeah. And we, I, I drew my, I drew the 14th position. Yeah. So I want to know who qualified 14th. I'm like, well, who's your driver? No. Who qualified for it? So I learned, learned the, hard the hard way. way. And if Lisa Patton talked too long and cut me 20 and I lost a 43 car field, yeah. I had heck to pay on, yeah. on TV. So that that uh, back in the the nineties, the, the early nineties, and things just and you knew Nashville was missing out on the demos that you know. I mean, we put a NASCAR cafe downtown. Yes. We didn't even have a NASCAR uh, top tier race. Um, what happened, Norm? What happened to that heyday? Is it does it go back to that day in February of one? Was that the was that the time? Because I, I just. That sport was as hot. It was considered a, you know, a top tier NFL, NBA, NH. It could compete with anybody with ratings and personalities. Yes. What happened? Well, you mentioned February of, of 01, uh, which is, uh, you remember where you were when you were told Elvis died. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the same thing with Mr. Earnhardt. And uh, he took a lot. I think you'd call it wind out of the sails. Uh, that happened in 01. When we got to 06, we had the housing crisis, uh, recession. And the biggest thing that happened was corporate America, who was buying 100 tickets here, 300 tickets there. That was the business I was in. Right. It was entertaining large groups of, of people. Uh, they, they panicked and pulled. Well, all of a sudden... A, a racetrack uh, which had 30 or 40% of corporate sales and tickets went away in one year. Uh, I suffered some of that myself, uh, survived through that one. Mm-hmm. And then we had the other recession, uh, and that hurt it. But I can tell you that uh, Bristol Motor Speedway had the largest crowd last month that they've had in 10 years. That's Uh, encouraging. That's encouraging. The mile and a half racetracks are suffering some. (coughs) Uh, Road courses are up. Short tracks are up. And and the the news that you need to know, Marcus Smith, who Bruton's was his father, runs Speedway Motorsports. Uh, This city has thrown up more roadblocks to keep them out uh, than you would ever imagine. There will be a story about this that, that will come to light. Uh, but with with Mayor Cooper taking over and you have to go through politics, elections, who's running what, and all this kind of stuff, uh, Marcus Smith is still bound and determined to have a short track in Nashville, Tennessee. That tells me more than any statistic you can look at. And, uh, you know, it's been a four-year process, 
Uh, I've been involved with it basically on a daily basis for four years. Uh, I feel like I'm pregnant and can't have a baby. <laughs> uh, and we're we're getting down to the countdown mm-hmm. on this. Uh, so the sport is is starting to come come back, and we got a couple of real jerks driving. Which is good for the sport. We've got some good TV. Yeah, good good TV, good drama. Then throw a helmet every once in a while. And uh, so it it is coming back. uh, And I think it's as solid or more than just about everybody but the NFL right now. It is working because I have a 22 year old son that loves it. The number nine car, dad. Yep. And I'm like, who are you? And so uh, he and his friends get their camper and they went out to the super speedway for the ally 400, I believe it was the whole weekend. And so his era is coming back. COVID squashed those crowds. That's, you know, those crowds are coming back. And so Nashville's positioned. uh, My question is, where does this all gel together as as team racing for Nashville, where you have the Nashville Super Speedway? So they only have, they've got this big monster track with only one big race out there with the Ally 400. And then uh, seg that into your thoughts on what we also go to because of my sons is the Indy race downtown that weaves through the city. Just absolutely is fantastic, uh, which also applies to the success and Nashville looking great when it comes to racing. A lot happening. Uh, the good news is, is Bristol coming to the fairgrounds, they also own the track at 11. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you take a big vision of being a race fan and having two to pick from season ticket wise, promotion wise, cross promotion wise. Uh, that is extremely good news for Middle Tennessee. That track was dead out there for years. They couldn't get a cup race. They gave them a cup race and they sold it out. So the future that I see is Nashville, the fairgrounds, is going to continue to run a local racing show and uh, pretty much as it is now. But you're gonna have a cup. You're gonna have a cup race. Uh, and as I was with the people from Bristol Saturday night, they were there for the first time to see races. And I says, you know, I, I have this wish list, and and one of them is uh, uh, green flag for a cup race. You got to throw my ashes down. And I, <laughs> and I said, we don't think we can do that, but uh, I will find a way for that yes. to happen. Yeah. It might be you and your Mustang out there doing it, but uh, uh, so Norm, that, I would, I'd be, I'd be right. privileged to be able yeah. to to, so, to be that person that i love that place i can't describe it uh you know when you go back to your old high school and you have that warm fuzzy (laughs) feeling when i'm at the fairgrounds it's like i'm i'm supposed to be there and i love it is your house still there uh the the house is still and what is is, yes and the biggest opponent to the racetrack in the neighborhood lives in that house oh. and is, and, and, and is being haunted well, by, by the Parton family. And by yes. Norm. Uh, so, uh, uh, what's that rattling in the corner? Yeah. That's uh yeah, that, that happened years ago. Yeah. Is that what you find is the biggest pushback is the neighborhood. It's like folks that move near an airport and then complain about all the noise. Uh, the track's been there a long time. Is there any way that that can be married into that? Well, that's a, a big growing area. Now they're putting in, uh, noise retention system, so their life gets better when that when that's in there. 
uh, soccer's there for what sixteen games a year. Uh, that's an intrusion on them. Uh, racing is not going to be that big of intrusion, except for four big weekends. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you know I've. I'd live two blocks from Radnor Yards in Creve Hall. I've lived with that since I we moved there in 1962, and I don't even hear it mm-hmm. uh, because I've been there so long. But that noise plus I-65 has a better, higher decibel rating at my house than the house I lived in has to the racetrack. Strange. But uh, I think everything's going to come around. Uh, Bristol has been very forthright with what we're doing, and there'll be a bunch of neighborhood meetings. And, uh, you know, some people show up with pitchforks and shovels, and then others will, you know, will be saying. Torches. And, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Rapid. 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 We're going to get to a fork in the road, some other things that we like to have on this Nashville-centric podcast. But, uh, Norm, we're just going to put you on the spot. And uh, you've got a lot of history in Nashville. You know so many people. And uh, your, um, I'd call it uh, uh, velvet hammer activism. Um <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. That's I like good. that. You know, you you do. You have your hands in so many things. You don't like to take credit. You don't like yeah. to, but you want to move the needle because I know that you love Nashville and this town, and you want it to be better for your uh, grandchildren. And you've you've made that. Uh, you know, you just you're not always happy with all the things that happen here, as we aren't with the growth and the the, the painful growth. But um, we're going to get back to that. Let's do some rapid fire, Joe. What do you got? Your favorite race, uh, I think, is it the American 400 that's coming up? All American. All American 400 still exists. Yes. Um, I'm sitting in my hotel room. Uh, I fly planes for a living now, so it's okay. just a different sort of speed. And all of a sudden on CBS, is it was it the SRX race? It's oh, the, yeah. Yeah. It's on CBS. I mean, yeah. it's on the network uh, out of there. Your favorite race at the uh, that has happened or that you still enjoy at the fairgrounds at the fairgrounds well i have to go back to the cup days mm-hmm. um when cup was here i was part of the media and and this sounds corny but i was somebody when the when the guys came into town they had to be on my radio show so i was treated like a king and i got to meet uh through that and through my other endeavors. I, I, there was one year I went to 27 races, uh, out of 36 and, uh, just about killed me. Uh, but I got to live inside of NASCAR for quite a while, had my own company. Uh, I did sponsorship work, public relations, hospitality. Uh, I got sponsors for people, uh, and, and a little known fact in 1983, uh, Bill Elliott, his family, and the people from Coors met in my ho- hotel, motel room in North Wilkesboro yeah. <laughs> in October. Two-story. Uh, yeah. One-story. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did the Coors deal. Uh, and that put me in a higher level than I was now sought after to do stuff. Now, wait a minute. Was that deal cut east of the Mississippi? Uh, well, that, I, that, that's a big deal. That, that would be well, a big deal. So- I was on the radio network, 
Okay. I was on Tennessee Radio Network, Kentucky, South, North Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. I had 130-something stations all across the southeast. And uh, through my connections, I got to meet a guy named Steve Saunders with Coors who was working the the deal. And uh, his he had a deal done with Junior Johnson, Daryl Walter. Mm. Had it done, and Junior just called him up and basically – right. See you later. Got Budweiser. And and uh, so they came to me. And when they sponsored my radio show, uh, the Coors Racing Hour was the first dollars invested on this side of the Mississippi River for Coors beer, period. So I hold that as, as kind of a, a landmark for me. But the, the, my biggest deal was Elliot at Nashville when we were working that deal, working with his family and everything. Uh, that was huge for me, and uh, because business wise, sports wise, all of that, it all came into play at one time. First car, my first car, uh, first car I bought was a '72 Torino Cobra Jet Maroon, bad fast. Put a governor on it. I'm sure. No, no, no heck, no. no, no, no. no. The uh, restrictor plate. No, no, there was no restrictor plate. <laughs> uh, I, I remember uh, we bought the car and I took it to my <laughs> in-law's house and my father-in-law came out. He raised the hood. He says, "You don't have enough money for gas," <laughs> and I said, "Well, we will figure it out." But I loved that car, and the biggest mistake I ever made. Was I sold? Was selling it? Yeah, I'm selling it. Uh, yeah. If I had it today, it'd be worth four times. Of course, it would value. be. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first one. Who's your favorite? Who's somebody you follow now? You talk about the young guys, but you have to kind of latch on somebody that's on the circuit now in racing. Uh, well, I will tell you that I am following a lot of people at the fairgrounds, uh, and uh, they represent our city well. But if I if we were going to start betting, who do you want? want I, I like uh, Tyler Reddick a lot. Uh, I think when he's he's the next guy, he he's the one that's going to elevate up. And uh, uh, him and Blaney are the two that uh, – because I, I wrote a thing last year. Where will we be five years from now? Harvick's gone. You know, all these people are gone. Who's Who's the fillers that are coming up? And I think Blaney and Reddick are going to be the guys that people will be talking about three or four years from now. It's great that that still happens out of the city. Uh, when yeah. I was doing afternoons on 105.9 The Rock, boy, this has to be at least 10 plus years ago. You could probably tell me better by the name. I interviewed this brand new racer named Austin Dillon. And so oh, yeah. he, he's just exploded on the uh, on the NASCAR yeah. circuit now, but he's from Mount Juliet, Tennessee. No. No. He's not from Mount Juliet. And he, I thought he was. He called me from Mount Juliet, so I thought. Oh, he did. <laughs> he's a motel room. There was a Coors deal he's going a, down. He's a he's a he's a, he's a, a uh, Carolina guy. He oh. is Richard Childress's grandson. Well, there you go. I did not. I, well, did, not, I did not know that. Uh, and uh, so he 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 won the Daytona Five Hundred. Yes, he did. You know, I for me, if I won the Daytona Five Hundred, I'd handle the hell and said, "I'm done." Uh, and, uh, that, that was a huge deal for him. And, uh, he is, uh, he's moving right on along, moving right on along. 
what is uh, what what music do you listen to? What do you have? A, I, and maybe you don't have a CD player, or maybe you don't. Maybe you listen to uh, I don't know news talk radio or something like that. I, what, I'm what, a, what's your? I'm a talk radio guy, okay. and and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna embarrass myself. <laughs> uh, I am the absolute worst person to ask about music. I don't listen to it. I don't know, but I have Alexa by the headboard <laughs> and I have found the moody blues. Good. Whoa. Oh, my wife, yeah. wife, my wife's favorite band. And, uh, I, uh, you know, when it's, uh, when I'm in the office, I have one sitting there and, uh, when I'm working on numbers or something, I turn off my phone, I shut the door. Yeah. I put that on and, uh, well, nights and white satin kind of gets that's you through. It. That's what, okay. Uh, but I, I'm an old school guy. So, uh, uh, I go, my first concert was Beach Boys in the 60s at the Municipal Auditorium. Uh, my sister was going to friends and took me uh, along, and that was kind of my first. Your baptism to, to rock and roll or to, yeah, or to a and concert? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, the, the, the jokes around the house that they pull on me is uh, my wife wanted uh, tickets to go see Rod Stewart years and years ago and I had connections at Ticketmaster mm -hmm. so I call up say I need some tickets to Bob Stewart <laughs> <laughs> that's good and then when I found out how stupid I was yeah. I came home and told the wife which now the family brings you know they call me Bob Stewart a lot. Bob, Bob Stewart yeah. not Al Stewart it was, yeah. it was Bob Bob Stewart so yeah. the, not the year of the cat no yeah uh, Norm uh, being in the business we are broadcasting, there yeah. is a lot of uh, criticism. Uh, what's an insult that you've received that you're actually proud of? <laughs> well, it has to do with politicians uh, <laughs> not happy with me. Uh, I've called them out. Uh, I'm I'm very I'm a very political person. In fact, going to a fundraiser tonight, uh, I've worked in campaigns and. Uh, uh, through the fairgrounds era, I, I made uh, Mayor Dean extremely unhappy and uncomfortable when I called him out. And uh, that phone call was quite entertaining. Um, and uh, uh, there's a mutual, uh, I don't know what you'd call it now, but uh, yeah, that's a badge of honor because you you took on some some big I names. Took on and City you, Hall, yeah, 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 and you, yeah, you, and you do it with passion and with yeah. conviction, and you, you know, I think it all goes back to you. You have such a, a pride in this city, and you want things to go well. That, uh, and you you've had a front row seat to yeah. to the changes, and uh, racing would be just one example of how oh, yeah. uh, it screwed things up, and it's trying to get things back together again. Well, and I I care. Uh, you know, I got two grandchildren, and you know, I'm seventy, and my life's over, and I'm focusing on what I do to make their life better and school systems and politics. And uh, I just get angry. And uh, I've, I've actually sat down with mayors and governors and senators and just read the riot act. And uh, 
sometimes it works and sometimes it don't. But uh, I feel like if I don't participate, I'm cheating my grandchildren. Joe and John have come to the fork in the road. So, Norm, we like to reflect on, you know, you, you, you have, uh, you, you say you're 70, uh, and it's not over. Don't tell me you're done. No, that's not, that's not, that's not uh, we want. John's 70 a, in two years. So yeah. So please stop. That's not, that's not, that's not, true. that's so, that's so not true. Uh, tell me is somewhere in your life could have been back at, at Overton high school, could have been, uh, your young twenties. Um, is there a fork in the road that happened to you, uh, either personally or professionally a road you took, or maybe didn't take that, uh, has you sitting here today? Uh, wow. Here I'm sitting unprepared and you hit me with that. Well, I, mean, uh, I will tell you that, uh, uh, I graduated from high school at Overton, uh, 52 years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Not a lot of 52 year anniversary or, uh, uh, reunions. Yeah. We had our 50 uh, on the 51st yeah. year because of, COVID. because of COVID. Right. Uh, great bunch of people. I will tell you, I enjoy being around my classmates more than I do anything. But so my father was federal law enforcement and I grew up in a law enforcement household. It was not out of the question for me to be around FBI, Secret Service, Chief of Police. Uh, that's where my dad was and and I was there. And uh, so I decided I'm going into that line of work. So I go to Criminal Justice Administration at MTSU. Mm-hmm. And I prospered there, uh, loved it. And you, when you're a junior, you start talking to agencies and they start monitoring you. And uh, so I'm in with uh, Secret Service, FBI, Postal Inspection Service, and U.S. Marshals. And we're moving along and everything's good. My grades were fantastic. Uh, did internships, uh, did all kind of things uh, law enforcement wise, both on and off the record. And, uh, so I'm primed to when I graduate, there's a list that you, you apply all along and there's a list that starts at one and goes through a hundred or so. Well, with all of these agencies, I'm in the top 10. I mean, I, and I had my pick, uh, of what I was going to do. So I'm young, I'm married. Uh, just got out of school, and during that time, Nixon was president. The FBI got sued for not having the right number of ethnic and females in the FBI. So they put in a thing that we have to get to this number, so we have to hire these people to make the numbers right. Well, when they did that, they went to all federal agencies. So I went from the top ten to three years out. That's and, a fork in the road. That yeah, I mean, you could have yeah. And, and so what so, you end up doing? Uh, well, I had to go to work. Yeah. So I went to work for a bank repossessing cars, uh, which is a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> Mister Popular. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got shot at. I got oh, busted in the mouth. Uh, we repossessed cars. Uh, at three o'clock in the morning when nobody was looking. So it was, it was a tough thing. And I've, I found out through working in corporate America that I was an entrepreneur. I just mm-hmm. can't do this. I cannot live in. Uh, so when I was 26 years old, my daughter was still in diapers. 
I walked out of a bank and there we went. And I, I got into retail business. It turned into radio with NASCAR. NASCAR ended up being a career. And then I owned my own business here doing two or three things in the, in the business world. So that uh, I, I would be an FBI agent and retired by now, mm-hmm. making more money than I am now. So I'm glad you let it go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hang on to that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a big way. To, that's a big what if. That's a good. That's oh, a good yeah. Fork, Where dude. would I be? That's a pretty uh, good fork. And yeah. I was I was going to be drafted and they ended the draft just before I came up and I was going to go. Yeah, uh, do my duty. Uh, so that was another fork in the road. Wow. Nixon ended the draft. Plus, he killed me in law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's uh, you talked about being a mentor for your grandkids and yeah. such? So, we always ask every guest this: What would you give? Uh, what advice would you give your eighteen-year-old self now? And what kind of advice do you give those grandkids? Well, it, I grew up in a stable household. Mom, dad, two sisters, and me. Uh, you learn a lot growing up in a stable middle class. Uh, we never had money, but we we had food to eat. And my dad was the most honorable person character-wise that I have ever. And, and you, he don't tell you that. You just see that happen. Uh, and, and going back years, years, and years, uh, we were traveling in the 60s to go to see my grandparents in Orlando. And we stopped at a, some kind of diner in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we're sitting there, and th- there's cars out in the parking lot, glass, and there's a pickup truck pulls up. And you could see male and female arguing back and forth. And the guy gets out of the truck. He goes around the back of the truck. He comes up, and he's just beating the snot out of this woman mm. uh, through the car window, the truck window. And uh, I saw my dad. Uh, and, you know, I'm like five, six years old. Uh, he gets up. He goes out there. He walks up, grabs a guy by the collar, and just pummels him. Just absolutely. Uh, I mean, the guy went down on the first punch, and dad went down with him. And uh, the guy never got up. He got in the truck, pulled out, put her in the truck, and said, you get out of here. Uh, And that was my dad to where character stepped up. He did the right thing. Uh, He might have just hit him once, but he did more than that. But that formed me that you're the first one through the door, and you're the last one to leave. And he, you know, he, he just pounded that all the time, that you're no better than your character. And when you're naked in front of the world, that's all you got. That's all you can't cover up if you don't have character. So I have done my best to instill that. And my daughter, who is the most wonderful person I've ever seen, she's politically oriented. She's, you know, she does the right thing. Uh, And these kids are growing up that way. And that will be my legacy uh, when I'm gone is uh, those two kids are going to turn out to be uh, worthy citizens. Worthy. You got to wear shades. 
Motivational, inspirational. We like to uh, wrap things up because we want people to listen to you and learn a lot about Nashville history yeah. if, if they don't know. Um, and you've given us some great advice and, and kind of how to live your life. And, and um, you know, your epitaph is, is, uh, is, is going to be fantastic. You have done and moved more movers and shakers in this area to, to, to try well, to do dude, the right stop thing. That. You know, stop that. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at a guy that does the same thing. Well, uh, I'm, I'm a late bloomer. I, yeah, I, didn't, but, but I didn't care see, much about now, myself. What, when, you, <laughs> when you started your new thing, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it in your eyes, and uh, I did a little bit of help for you. You did. And, and, you did uh, a lot of help, actually. And, uh, uh, You're right. That yeah. That's what I want to be able to do in my final years is see a, a gap somewhere and, and fill it. And uh, you, you have a worthy cause that you live and die and breathe and uh, I have a few of those myself. Yeah. And, uh, it, it makes me proud to see good things happen. Well, I appreciate that. You always, uh, uh, Joe, back in your days, uh, of course, you would have from Zanies, you would have, you know, comedians that would come in for us. And and I always thought this was really cool about you is that you had, and rightfully so, you had allegiance uh, with Rudy Kalis, a, a, yeah. a race fan, and you did a, a Sunday night uh, racing segments and right. so forth. But when... <clears throat> When drivers came into town and you uh, did not discriminate and I sat with a young Tony Stewart yeah, because you brought him over and I didn't, nobody knew who this guy was, you know, but, but the, the drivers coming up and you always kind of took care of, of all yeah. the media because you knew that, you know, the big picture is if you can, you know, spread the wealth and get people, but you, yeah. you know, you could have, you could have, uh, you could have kept that all to, to channel four and you didn't. And I, I always remember that. I thought that was very cool. Well, a neat thing when Dale Earnhardt was nobody, he was in town doing a media tour and I took him to. Probably w- Tennessean or. No, no, WSIX AM radio. Okay. Which was where channel two, they were in that. They were in the same building on Murfreesboro. Long yeah. ago. Yeah. And uh, we got Earnhardt in there, and uh, the, the guy interviewing him, Nichols, is that right? Oh, Dave Nichols, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Wow, now didn't we're have going a clue. Back. Didn't right. have a clue about racing, yeah. and it, it, so Earnhardt's used to people not knowing not what's knowing. going on. That's kind of why I'm there. And uh, uh, Earnhardt dropped the f bomb. Oh, you can't do that now. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I, on live TV uh, or during the no, interview? radio radio, radio. interview. Yeah, oh, radio and, interview. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, there's a term in racing is WFO and W is wide and the O is open. Mm -hmm. And he, (laughs) he kept saying WFO, WFO. And Nichols says, well, what does that mean? And he Uh, told him. Uh, So, uh, as I got up off the floor, uh, you know, uh, but that was, that was one of the neat things about. Uh, my career being able to do stuff like that and uh, spend time with, with those guys. Well, Norm, um, in closing, uh, you're the kind of guy who who likes the pedal and doesn't mind the wall. So yeah. Nashville has so much changed from over these decades. And we, we obviously there's 70, 80 years of broadcast experience in yeah. this room. We're not those kind of guys who say, well, that's the way it was back then. And it was so much better. It's so much better now and moving forward. So many more opportunities, so many more people coming to town and such a new era of growth that's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the future is looking bright in Nashville. How do you see, uh, where do you see the city kind of growing? You go downtown, there's an erector set of, of, of cranes every two seconds. Uh, Nashville's playing catch 
catch up right now to yeah. the exciting growth. Well, and some of it is a, a pure pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, I, I, traffic is not what it used to be. Uh, there, there used to be a time in my day. Uh, so no matter who called you, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Yeah. I'll be there in 15 minutes. 15 minute town. Yeah. No more. Buddy. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and that's frustrating. Uh, the the new people, the opportunity that's coming here proves Nashville had it all along. Uh, we've had a lack of leadership in the city back through the 70s and 80s that just wouldn't move the needle. Uh, but I'm I, I'm I'm so proud of this city, and I want to fix the things that are wrong. Uh, I want to publicize the things that are right. But I've been all over this country uh, in my business, and when they ask you where you're from, and you say Nashville, you're a different person than the guy that said I'm from Edmondsville, Indiana, or oh, I'm yeah. from St. Louis. It, it's it's you're you are immediately a different person. My last name being Parton. Uh, also has, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and to be my, clear, there's no relation. Uh, yes, there is. Uh, could have been, could have been in the first five minutes of the podcast, uh, but it could have been, well, it, it, do your, do your homework, John, Jeez. Uh, real, real briefly. Uh, my sister has gone all the way back to England and has came to the first part and came to Jamestown. Okay. Uh, survived Indian massacres and all this stuff. So the family spreads out and they settled in the Middlesbrough, Kentucky area, which there are more Partons than Smiths in that part, mm. Bell County, Kentucky, right above Knoxville. And in the 1700s, three brothers moved from there to Sevierville. And when they came by to do the census, none of them knew how to write so whoever's doing the census wrote P-A-R-T-O-N. Uh, and they were uh, actually P-A-R-T-I-N. So we have code. gone all the way back. Uh, and uh, so that is uh, the deal. But uh, one of the things I use in business is uh, I'll call somebody from out of town. I'm Nashville, Norm Parton. And there's always this pause hesitation sure and i say yes she's my sister and then i move right on <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do well and so nobody forgets me uh, right i talked to dolly parton's brother you know <laughs> well there you go i did not did not know that norm thank you for your time we could go down so many other avenues uh and perhaps we will at a at a, at a later date but i appreciate giving up your time um, I know people that uh, that are of our era. Uh, I'm certainly uh, I'm sure they they uh, love walking down memory lane with you and all the all the great things uh, about what happened with racing and 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 the rebirth and uh, to be continued. It's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. So really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the second cup of Joe and John. It's the second cup of Joe and John as their guests expound on any and all topics within the realm of decency. Want to be a sponsor? Let a TV and radio guy help build your business. Email the show, John at gmail.com. Now, hold on tight and grab another second cup of Joe and John. <laughs> <laughs>